Welcome to Climb Hard, Love Harder podcast. Uh, Dean and I had such a great time talking to Bryce Mahoney from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, he is an amazing uh, man. Uh, oh my goodness, great climber, just a good guy. Uh, you are going to so enjoy listening in on this. Uh, we uh, went ahead and split this into two episodes because there's so much content, we did not want to miss any of it. So don't just listen to this one. Make sure you get on the second one too. That'll be coming out here uh, next month, and uh, we're excited about it. Thanks. Listen in. Welcome to uh, Climb Hard, Love Harder podcast. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Dean. And uh, what are we doing here? Well, we are, our ultimate goal is to encourage climbers on to love and good works in their local area. Yeah, man. Uh, love and good works in your local Craig. And general encouragement. General encouragement. And uh, we're going to hear some stories from folks, uh, a lot of their personal insights and... Uh, Let's hear what they have to say. Sounds good. Uh, we're just really grateful that... Uh, is it okay if we just jump in? Of course, man. Let's get at it. Okay, and then we can uh, become better friends and visit uh, at another time, too, because I definitely want to do that. Uh, I need all the friends I can get. Same here. So, uh, um, uh, I'm Eric, and uh, Dean is Dean. I'm Dean. This is Dean. Hey, Dean. Cool. Hey, Eric. <laughs> hey, Bryce, did I meet you at the uh, national conference? Were you back there for one of them, either in the red or the new, I mean, or um, the most recent one in, uh, Tennessee. in Tennessee? I was there for the Tennessee one. Yes, that's okay. where we met. Okay. And my apologies for not remembering hardly anything because I was pretty he's old. old. He's old. I am old. and I'm As it old. goes. <laughs> he remembered you up until yesterday. And I was probably... <laughs> I was probably wound pretty tight for, you know, just general reasons because yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's how I am sometimes. It's so, all good. Uh, so Dean, uh, Dean has a question for you. So Bryce, uh, tell us about yourself, like what your full name is, where you live. Okay. Just kind of a little yeah. cap of who you are. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Bryce Mahoney. Um, I live in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, which is around the Winston-Salem area. Um, I am 42 years old. I'm married. I have three children. Uh, I have a daughter named Parker, uh, who's almost 16. I have a son named Kellen, who's 13. And I have a son named Jax, who is seven. Um, yeah, um, recently relocated in the last year or so um, from Raleigh to Pilot Mountain. Um, to pursue uh, what I'll just sum up as what I feel like is God's purpose in my life. Um, and uh, we're, we're kind of in the middle of, uh, of planting ourselves here uh, in the area. Um, I'm about thir- three quarters of the way through building a home for our family. Um, and um, yeah, just kind of living life at the moment, uh, preparing to, to finish that and then really just dive headfirst into uh, running an adventure company. I started a, an adventure company a, a year ago called Yadkin Valley Adventure. Um, How do you say it? Yeah, say Yadkin that. Valley Adventure. Okay, because we were uh, we were wondering how it was pronounced. I told him I could say Valley, but I'm not sure if I'm saying <laughs> Yadkin right. Yeah, you got it. Yep. A lot of people say Yadking, uh, like okay. two words. 
Um, but hey, you can imagine uh, we hear all sorts of things here in the South. So, uh, well, you can make fun of the South, but we better not. That's right. Um, <laughs> and really, yeah, I started that that company, and uh, I just saw it as kind of like the uh, my opportunity um, to really really serve and fulfill a purpose of of getting people outdoors. Like that's the ultimate goal for us at Gadkin Valley is just to get you outside. If it's climbing, we would love to do that, um, but we really just want to get you into nature and into the beauty of it. And, um, and we'll go from there and they let the healing, like we'll take care of the hard stuff and you take care of the healing. Um, and, uh, so that's really just kind of what I've been doing the last couple of years, building that really trying to get closer to God and just kind of keep on track with what I feel he's pushing and whispering into my ear of what I should be doing in this world. That's awesome. So who's your, how do you uh, get your get your name out there, and who who's kind of your uh, target, or uh, where are you finding people for your adventure yeah. business? Yeah, um, thankfully, uh, yeah. So one for me personally, I'm just a really outgoing person, and um, I, I became the Crag Steward at Pilot Mountain um, for Carolina Climbers Coalition, and I just be really conversing with everybody at the mountain, and just kind of became known. Um, so I get quite a bit of referrals from friends and people that know me from the mountain. Um, but I would say my strongest connection is, uh, we have a gym group in the triangle in the Raleigh area called triangle rock club. Um, I I've, I'm friends with the owners and a lot of the staff and I have just built a really good relationship, um, with them, uh, working with their summer camps here at pilot and just various other things that they actually give me. Um, quite a bit of referrals as well. Um, and one of our, one of our, or our new lead climbing instructor for the company, Sean is actually a route setter at triangle. So he, he's there at the gyms. He puts up these, the flyers. So we just, um, our focus is, is primarily, honestly, gym climbers looking to climb, to make the transition, uh, to the outside, uh, so, I would say. Cool. So I, so uh pilot rock right pilot mountain pilot mountain is is that a bunch of slab climbing uh no we it is a vertical uh like quartzite schist type Ooh. of single pitch climbing stone okay. mountain stone mountain north carolina would be kind of your slab stone. paradise for us all right all right yeah stone mountain so cool yeah so we've got basically- a we've got an amazing history here of climbing in north carolina um, you know, and it just really, really unique history, really cool, um, unique features from region to region. Um, I feel, feel really special to live and be able to climb and, and operate in these areas. That, uh, that quartzite is hard rock. Uh, it, it is, but when, and I'm not, my geologist friend will probably smack me because I'm not saying it all correctly, but apparently the, the schist signifies that it wasn't cooked as hot as it could have been so we have great pockets of good quality rock and a lot of pockets of really bad quality rock um that's just right that's right up our alley yeah yeah you know route (laughs) route development's fun because you'll you know you'll be drilling a hole one one minute and it'll take like a good two three minutes to drill through the the rock or five minutes even sometimes 
And then sometimes it just takes like 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> You're like, that's a glue in. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I love so, it. Oh, that's so good. But so we have, like we've got great trad climbing right on the street, though, at Hanging Rock, Moore's Wall, okay. Cook's Wall. So, like, I, I've got my trad single pitch paradise right down the street, too. Um, nice. I live in paradise, boys. Well, uh, why would we even stay here? Paradise. We yeah. need to move to North Carolina. We live we live in an area that God sends people to test them. <laughs> That's good. I mean, you you're you're certainly going to get tested in the south here. I mean, I had to we did instruction today and I mean, it was only 78, but I felt like I was melting. Oh, yeah. So you got to definitely like humidity and heat if you want to come to the south. That sounds greasy and wonderful. Yeah. And do you have like copy, copperheads that greet you on the ledges as you're topping over, poking your nose up on a ledge? But yes, the copperheads, a lot more black rat snakes than anything. Oh, those are friendly though. Yeah. All right. They're friendly. So I was uh, I was topping out on a uh, on a short world's hitch, best crag on the world's best crag here in, in the Tri Cities. It's this sad little 40 40-ish foot crag uh, here that we've got that we love, but it's pretty sad. Yeah. But I, I was topping out if on one. If you do a sit start, you count it as a single pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, too funny. <laughs> so I was topping out on one. Dean was belaying. This is just the other day. And I uh, I jerked my hand back and like moved back real fast. It was kind of like up over a roof onto a, a slabby platform to mantle up on. Yeah. He thought, he thought I was falling off. Well, there was this probably, I don't know, probably two foot long snake coiled up about a, two and a half feet from me. Oh. And the desert, it was very likely a rattlesnake. And Yikes. I thought, holy shamoli, right? Yeah. And so immediately I uh, looked, uh, I, you know, ran it down to its tail and it was just a nice pointy tail. So it was just one of our friendly uh, bull snakes. Now, they're a lot like those rat snakes or gopher sure. snakes. They're just, you know, they're, they're friendly and you want to keep them around. Rodent patrol. Oh, yeah. But man, he scared the daylights out of me. Kicked I would imagine. up. <laughs> I would imagine that would scare me. I mean, yeah, just like just that overall startling. So, oh, you know, geez. thankfully it's not as few and far between. It's really few and far between here, especially in the, you know, cr crags that are really have heavy traffic. If you're not like the first person or the last person leaving, chances of you seeing them are pretty slim because they we get a lot of traffic, thankfully. Yeah, kind of kind of uh, wildlife doesn't care for all the all the, all the traffic, all the folks. So kind of jumping, jumping, jumping here, uh, since we're kind of into storytelling. Yeah. Do you have a, like kind of a crazy climbing experience story or an exciting one or a humiliating one or something that uh, listeners would get a kick out of? Or yeah. Um, so, so um, there is an area here in North Carolina. We, it's called, it's Lynn, Linville Gorge. Right. Um it is the Grand Canyon of the East, as we like to say. Um, <laughs> and uh, and in, in Linville Gorge, there is a, a place called the Amphitheater. And in the Amphitheater, you have the Mummy Buttress. And there is a, yeah, the mummy, like, uh, ooh, mummy. Um, 
and because because the buttress looks like a big mummy like it's just got this rounded kind of top and it's oh. protruding it just looks kind of like a big black yeah. mummy um yeah. and so you've got the route the mummy but then to the right of it you've got the daddy <laughs> and so the daddy is this five originally five pitch climb you can climb it in three pitches now um but it is an awesome uh, multi-pitch five, 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 six cruiser, cruiser route. And, um, I love climbing there. It's one of my favorite places to climb. And I, um, I have some friends that I met here locally to where I live. Taken to pilot. I had taken to pilot a, a bunch of times and taken them to the gym and, um, I was like, hey, you guys, we should go out to Table Rock in Linville and this route, uh, the daddy, or let's go to the amphitheater and climb, climb the daddy. And so they're like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Well, that was eight friends. Um, <laughs> so I, as the climbing instructor, uh, uh, you know, the mentor, I won't even say climbing instructor because... You, the only difference between a mentor and a climbing instructor is one takes money. Um, and so I had my mentor hat on this day. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? And so one of the guys that I was in this group, I knew had lead experience. He had pretty good trad lead experience. So, and like, I knew the route up and down, I climbed it a ton of times. So I'm like, this guy totally has this route. Like, I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to worry. I'm not worried about the route. So if I climb after it and he has just crap anchor, I'm not too, I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, cool, we're just going to, everybody's going to have a rope. He's going to lead it. I'm going to get the second person up here and then I'm going to let him lead while the second person is bringing everybody else up. Um, so we just start this train of people going up this <laughs> the side of this cliff. Um mm -hmm. And, and we're there at like 9.30, 10, like not an alpine start at all. Like, so people had plenty of time to get to the crag before us and get on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so we're three, you know, we're the, like the final belay station up from the, uh, from the top. We got one more pitch to go and we're all, we're all sitting on the pit on the, on the belay ledge. And this is a pretty big ledge. Um, we've, we've like taken this opportunity to eat lunch. Like nobody is up our butt at point. And, um, so I'm like, all right, Hey, let's, let's start climbing. Well, like our leader, he starts going and like one, one person, he gets up and we're going. And then like this party of two gets close, gets up behind us and like I'm belaying and I'm listening <clears throat> to the guy behind him. Like ask my friends, like, Hey, do you think we could like climb through you guys? And I'm like, I turn around like right after he finishes saying it, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> and, uh, and so he just kind of like, okay, whatever. And they like sit there for a minute. Well, they find some adventurous way to get around us. And like, there's a, what I found later is there's kind of like a split between another climb that you could take and top out. Oh, so, yeah. so we, we climb this climb. And I'm, we're on the top now and I'm like bringing up the last couple of people and we've had an awesome day. Well, this guy like walks up to us and he's like, you know, like, Hey, I don't, I don't really think that that was pr very cool that you guys would hog up the route like that all day. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I immediately, I'm like, 
I'm sorry, man. Um, and then I'm like, Wall Hogs, that's a great name for us. Ooh, <laughs> like, it is a to- good name, Wall Hogs. Totally use this like slur that this guy just sent my way to <laughs> name what we now call ourselves our little climbing group is the Wall Hogs. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and I put it to him like, hey, what's the difference between eight climbers and like three parties of two, uh, four parties of two or two parties yeah. of four? Yeah. Like, this is a very common thing. You chose yeah. to come here in the middle of the day. Right. And try to climb a very popular route. Like, I'm sorry well, that you. And it was a five six. It was like a five six route. So that's like the trade route, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't expect to have like that thing should be clogged with people constantly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I chuckle at that because it was just the how his delivery of like you guys hogging the route up and immediately me be like, okay, so, so but hey, that's a really cool nickname. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bryce, that leads me to the question: Why are you so mean? <laughs> I, know, I think it's uh, my medulla oblongata. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Got so many teeth and so, uh, such a little toothbrush. <laughs> wall hogs. Wall hogs. That's awesome. Right. Man. Okay. So a little bit ago, and uh, somehow, so a couple of two things. I just noticed Dean was just pulling up pictures of your area and all this stuff on Mountain Project and whatever else we can find as we put it in the Google machine. Yes. Um. But I just noticed there was a picture of a guy, and on his rack, he had tricams. Yes. Now, uh, I don't want to belabor the tricam discussion because, you know, we should have a whole podcast on tricams. Oh, yes. Did you see? I saw saw an Instagram post this morning. Yes, where where the uh, how to clean a tricam. He unclips it and abandons it. (laughs) That's that's good old Karsten DeLapp. Yeah. So funny. Okay, so. Uh, there looks like there's quite a few horizontal cracks there where you're at. Yes. No. Uh, um, contrary to what the uh, trad mafia says, um, or the or the cam mafia says, uh-huh. um, try try cams yeah. uh, work very well here in North Carolina. I, I love I love <laughs> tri cams. I absolutely do. I love. Okay, thank you. I knew. See, I knew just by looking at your pictures online <laughs> and the yep. first time we talked that you were, you know, we were, uh, uh, we were friends in this area. So the first, the first rack, the first rack I ever had, it was given to me from a guy, like a friend of mine that like, I didn't even know he climbed. And one day he's like, yeah, I used to climb. I haven't climbed in forever. And he pulls out a Tupperware and he's like, and pulls out this ancient rack of all it was, was tricams, uh-huh. hexes, uh, Metolius TCUs from like double zero to two, so like <laughs> like smaller than my pinky, and nylon runners with offset D snapgate, uh-huh. uh, black diamond, and some of them even said Chenard climbing equipment on it. So good, uh, yeah. So I use those runners. I use those carabiners forever, and then find like DX them. I still use the Metolius TCUs because they're awesome. Um, little little cams. My, the, the, the hexes I use for anchor building because nothing beats a cowbell. Um, oh my gosh. And, wow. and the tricams have saved me. I took my first trad whip on a blue tricam and it actually turned while it was placed Ooh. and it caught like where the rivet of the nylon and the metal, yeah. Yeah. um, come together. And like, yeah. that's, that's the only thing that like kept it in. Oh man. So, yeah. Pinky, uh, pinky is my favorite. 
Well, oh, yeah. The pink is the way to go. I mean, that's like in North Carolina, we um, we kind of like covet the pink one. And if, if you're looking around on the Internet, if you go to Cal- uh, Carolina Climbers Coalition and look at our latest NC Climbers yep. Fest photos that we did, our logo is actually a black bear holding on to a pink tricam. <laughs> I'll have, to say, I'll have to say, if I was cleaning out my gear closet, and if I had tri cans, I'd give them away also. <laughs> <laughs> You'd give them away to the local dump? That's so good. No, I'd give them to the new climber. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, they're just like, I, I'm gonna, I mean, I'll agree with Karsten. I'll agree with everybody. Like, cams are so nice. You know, mm-hmm. as, as an instructor, I certainly don't want people to be freaking out on their first trad climb, you know, following me of trying to get, you know, this yeah. weird, complex passive active thing out the wall you know like cams are so much easier but like to be a trad climber and not know how to set a tri cam or not know how to put a put a hex in like you're just doing yourself a disservice because it's part because it's a part of climbing history it is yep like that's what i attach to the most is like this history of it the history is the best part yeah i'll leave it in the history of the oh uh, that's cool that's cool just save them all for me <laughs> yeah well me and a fr- me and a friend john have a uh we have a, a little game that we play here locally it's called passive aggressive and, <laughs> uh it, you're just supposed to put as much passive gear in the route yeah. as you possibly can and oh that's my gosh, yeah. do any active pro um yes yeah i so. love i love going and like uh challenging myself or our team, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with let's go up this route and only use passive gear. Yep. That is so much fun. It really is. It gives me, it gives me a good idea. The next time I, Eric and I go on a, like a longer multi-pitch, I'm going to put a bunch of tricans and hexes and, and uh, nuts in my, in my climbing pack. And then after I'm out of sight, <laughs> he's going to round the corner on follow. And it's going to be just this little stream. <laughs> <laughs> just, just set like i'll just weld them in place well, you can't you, how do you even weld a cowbell in place you can't you can't not i mean can. cowbells are like a, a wing and a prayer is what those are oh i know yeah okay bryce uh you mentioned uh toward the beginning of our conversation that uh you're uh <clears throat> learning to listen to uh, the Holy Spirit and follow God. Did I hear that right? Yes, yes. Could, could you uh, maybe flesh that out a little bit more? For sure. Uh, what, what's your spiritual life like? Are you a follower of Jesus? Uh, what is your, um, uh, we, don't, uh, um, we don't really want to make like assumptions about anybody or anything. So uh, like, what's your story? Who are you uh, in, in, in spiritual life, in faith? in practice, uh, kind of what's your story with all that? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you give a cliff notes version of my, my testimony per se. Um, you know, so I, I grew up, uh, in the church, honestly. Um, you know, I went to a Methodist church when I was a kid, my grandmother sang in the choir. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I spent most Sundays sitting or sleeping in church, um, I was the young life kid that was doing it in high school because it was, you know, a fun place to meet. I didn't really consider myself, you know, fairly, fairly spiritual back then. Um, my dad ended up, you know, my dad went into ministry partially, went to Calvary Chapel Bible College, 
out in California. Um, I lived there for a little while with him um, and just really got to, that was really kind of an opening where I got to see just the, the beginnings of like God's grace uh, for us, um, you know, cause that at that time, like especially Calvary Chapel was kind of the first one to allow people that had tattoos and just a lot of uh, those other things. Yeah. Um, and you just wear what you want, like come as you are kind of thing. And that, yeah. that opened, you know, from a Methodist, like show up in a tie to like, holy crap, that on that person doesn't even have shoes on, you know, like, uh, and, or, and then for me as a kid, like, Hey kids all go, you know, it's time for the, you to go to the youth side. And when you go to the youth side, it's like a skate park or like an arcade group, you know, or you're playing all these games and then it's just like, Hey, this is Jesus. He loves you you know, all right, go, you get, you kids have fun, you know? And it was just like them loving on us and everything. Um, but you know, I, I, I kind of went along with that and then I moved back to my mom's, uh, in Virginia to kind of finish out my high school. Um, really just didn't, didn't really have any direction at that point. Went in the army at 19, did six and a half years and got out really for no reason, was married, had a kid on the way, um, just, just really wandering and lost, uh, around, um, not living in, th- in, in the world, like not living in Christ, not living in spirit I- at all. Um, yeah. and that, that marriage, um, was very superficial and soon ended, um, unfortunately. Um, but through that trial, through that tribulation of hitting, you know, that bottom at that point, um, I was homeless for a little while. I ended up living, on the couch of like this house that a bunch of the guys that I trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the gym with like all rented together. And I was like the fifth roommate on the couch, um, (laughs) you know, doing my kids uh, visitation at my old boss's house because he said I could do it there, you know, and the courts said, okay. I mean, I'm just really just not, not doing well Um, living and honestly living like a lying kind of life. And then, Coincidentally, I found this book by Sam Harris, which Sam Harris is like one of the largest uh, like atheist authors there is out there. And he wrote a book called Lying, and it really explained the two types of lying, lies of omission, lies of admission. And I really kind of came to terms with this, like I'm a lie, an omitter, not an admitter. Like I just don't, if it's not important, if I don't think like you need to know, like I'm not going to say anything, or if I don't say anything, then it's not a lie. And so coming to terms with this, I just really went into this massive, like truths, truth spell. And it really helped me like flush out a lot of things and things were getting better in my life. And like, I just felt like that was working. And then May of 2013, this kind of like domino thing just like hit me all at once, which just caused me to have this like complete turnaround. And part of it was, I was involved. I was kind of seeing a girl and at the, for the kind of the first time in my life, I was really feeling like, like it was, it was worth something. It was meaningful. Like, Oh my, this could be the one. And she just like totally pulls the rug out from underneath me. So that's like heartbreak number one. And then the next one is I had a guy that I worked with in the military. His wife called me one day and was like, Paul, the guy I worked with, Paul committed suicide yesterday, ran into some traffic um, you know, wow. and like, this is somebody that I stayed in contact with. Like, and so that was like, that was the first, that was honestly the first suicide I ever dealt with from my military experience. Yeah. Um, and so it hit me really hard and I was actually like, I was 
it was May 13th, 2013. I was sitting at that house eating sushi with like my roommate. And I got that call. I got that message from the girl. And like, I just lost my appetite. I got up from the table. I got in my car and I went like a couple miles down the road. We had this lake that was near our house. And I went to the lake and I walked up to the side of it and there were some benches and I sat on the bench for a minute, but then I fell down to the ground and just started sobbing. Um, And I just looked up at the sky and I was just like, I don't, I don't know what's going, I don't know what to do anymore. And like, I'm lost and I don't want to do this. So, you know, kind of in a, like a jerk way at the beginning was just like your turn, buddy you know, like, yeah. uh, at Christ and, and really just kind of at that moment that night was just like, I'm, I, I give it, um, and, um, rededicated my life that night and went to back, went back with, you know, a feeling of, of comfort and peace. Um, but what transpired really over the next week was pretty fascinating. So I had another spouse of an old army friend reach out to me out of the blue and basically, and so, hey, you know, Dylan the guy, is in Fort Bragg for a month or so. And I know you're around that area and I know you guys were friends. You guys should connect. Here's his phone number. And I hadn't spoken to this person in like 10 years. Um, and she just found me on Facebook and was like, hey, I, I, I see you're there. And it's like, wow, you know, we were so close in the military and then we just kind of went our separate ways. Um, and so I called Dylan. And he's like, Hey, I'll be, I'll coincidentally be in Raleigh tomorrow for lunch. We should meet. And it's like, Holy crap. Like, yeah, totally. And so I go and meet him and I almost canceled the lunch too, because I I think I was just like, Oh, my personal, I, I don't know. I would be like, Oh, I'll see him again some other time. But I was like, no, you, like you got to go see this guy. So we meet for lunch and we're just talking and like, Hey, how you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, yeah, I'm doing this contract. He's doing some military contracting stuff. And he's like, but you'd never believe what happened to me. I had a production company from New Zealand contact me asking if I wanted to be on this show that's former military that go, we go to Costa Rica and we like fight these, these environmental challenges. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's like, well, it would be if I could actually go and I'm on contract here and everything. And just, I don't know, something compelled me to be like, well, I'll go <laughs> instead. Yeah. And I mean, I had been to Costa Rica before a couple of times. So I kind of like knew the area. And so like a, a guy going from working part-time at a kid's museum, living on the couch of a house of a bunch of adolescent, like teen, early adult fighters. I, I like, I see something ahead of me like, oh, great. You know, Hey, I've got I've got like a paycheck. I've got something that's going to keep me busy for like three and a half months. I can get out of this like couch situation for a little while. So I interview with them and I like, you know, okay, cool. July of that year, we're going to meet in Costa Rica and start this whole thing off. Well, I go to this thing just totally thinking like, I'm going to work on me and focus on the show. And like, that's it. (laughs) You know, we're going to do this thing. Right. Well, I, we, we all meet up for the, for the show in Dallas and there is a, an attractive woman that's a part of this show um and or what i what i think you know is attractive and yeah. uh, you know and it's like oh hey who are you and so long story short there one of the members that was she's from Oregon so like no chance um yeah. we meet on this show and it's funny she had like the same thoughts 
and kind of a similar background of like failed marriage and just some other other things going on and her her voluntold like hey you're going to costa rica to do this thing and so like we would have never met ever in our lives and we got to spend this three months together in this place but but the crazier part was is had it been a woman at any other particular point in time in my life i would have looked at this as some form of quest something to like a hill something to get and like it would one and done gone but something me something in the like this new christ-centered person was like i feel and and see a good and great person here and i want to get to know them so we just had this amazing like time to really get to know each other found out that we're both christ followers um and similar interests we have similar drives and desire and everything and what started as like a three-month kind of thing turned into we are both now here in north carolina together and we have a son, Jax, together. And, you know, I thank, you know, God every day that he put this partic- this woman, you know, in my path. Um, because, you know, she's my spiritual, uh, she's a spiritual leg of mine. She's a great mother, um, great friend, hard, hard worker. Um, and it's just, it just goes back to this, like, I, you know, submitting. And I just go back to being so thankful, like. All I had to do was give it to him and he, he will show me that way. And, um, and so, you know, that was really the beginning of my faith journey. Um, what really helped me to kind of start to really get where I'm at. Um, I belonged to a group called F3. Uh, it's a nationwide men's group stands for fitness fellowship faith. It's focused on getting men together, working out, and then talking about Christ. Um, that really started to motivate a desire inside of me to really start to help plant the seed for other men. Um, and uh, specifically reading the word and gathering together to s- discuss the word. Um, and, the, and the time that I spent leading F3 groups, being a part of F3 groups, setting up Bible studies, it's really helped me um, to continue to be the faith, you know, the, the Christian become today. Really hear and open my ears to what the you know the current progress and trajectory trajectory that we're going on by moving up here to to where I live now um, yeah. to pursue this um, this particular venture of um, you know bringing people outdoors and then you know just like we do at Climbers for Christ just loving on that um, yeah um, cool. yeah. That's, uh, that's it. I'm staring, staring. I mean, I got to give credit. My, my grandmother, she, uh, she just passed away last week, uh, at the the age of 93. Uh, she has, she lived the good life. She ran the good race. Um, and she, she was my, and is, is not even was, is my spiritual, um, fortress. She always was and always will be. And I'm, I'm looking at her. She gave me an every day with Jesus, from Derry, from David Jeremiah devotional to oh, do. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I owe her a lot to just showing oh. me what God's love looks like. Oh yeah. She probably talked to God about you quite a few <laughs> constantly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You God know, it's funny. Grandma's God. I think God does listen to grandma's. She does. What is that? <laughs> really does. Wow. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. My wife, she grew up in Oregon also, 
Where was your wife? Where your Where was your wife from? Oh yeah, um, like the, hey, all three of us. McMinnville, McMinnville, like right outside of Portland. Oh yeah, that's where uh, that's where my uh, my wife's family is from. McMinnville, and then out of the Corvallis and Palomas area. And your wife's family is not very far from there. Yeah, from oh, Canby. Not a- from Canby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Of course, there's really not too many places in Oregon that are too far from <laughs> other places. Yeah. You, True. So, Eric, Eric wants to tell you, whenever Eric and I are climbing, especially when we're climbing and we collide with any climbers that are from California. Uh-huh. Don't or, ride. Or, or Oregon. Well, mostly California. Oh, yeah. Tell them why. Why we love, uh, why we love Oregon. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that the Go ahead, one? Yeah. I don't want to hurt Oregon. So I'm, I'm from... <laughs> Let's pretend I'm from California and I come up on this belay ledge. Uh-huh. Well, and I'm usually I first they'll well, you know, explain where you're from or something like yeah. that. And they'll say I'm Cal- from California. California. And we'll be like, and for all you Californians that are listening, our deep apologies. And, and <laughs> we do love California. There's amazing things there, like with Yosemite Valley and uh, other places. And uh, so, and the, and the uh, Sierras. <laughs> the Sierra and the Nevadas. Yosemite Valley and the Sierra and Nevadas. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll say, oh, well, you don't tell people that, right? right. <laughs> you don't tell people that you're from Cali. And then, uh, especially if you're in the Northwest. Yeah. And then, and then I usually say something. I usually tell them about, like, Oregon and why I ask them if they know why we in Washington uh, love Oregon so much. And they'll say, no, why? And they're thinking, you know, it's a great place to move to, to escape California or other places. <laughs> <laughs> we love you Californians. And uh, I'll say, no, the reason we love uh, Oregon so much is because it's a 250-mile border between us and California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's But, great. no, we really do love California. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the trope right now, uh, kind of uh, dinging on Cali. But I've got great friends in California. And, uh, yeah, there's certainly good pockets. In- <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like it's just like in North Carolina. Yeah. This is true. We're going to have to make up a joke about North Cali, North Cali-lina. Hey, uh, so you mentioned, uh, Bryce, that you um, uh, were couch surfing uh, when you were younger and, um, you know, kind of just, you know, paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth. Um, If you were to look back on, uh, you know, like who you were uh, as a kid, uh, who you were in your youth or uh, even just in your younger days, what, uh, what would you do different? Or, or maybe what would you say to your younger self? That my efforts today are good enough. Right on. You know, I, it's, that's something that I've, um, I've been really trying to wrap my head around and, and with as an adult and, and subject or, or the receiver of, of an immense amount of performance anxiety and, and then subsequent depression from, from said performance anxiety. Um, I will say, you know, looking back on my life, on my youth, Um, I look at a lot of, of, I look at honestly, a lot of the harmless communication that we thought was harmless back in the day. Speaking sports, I played baseball. Um, 
And I, I think back to the thousands of pitches that I, I threw to my dad in the backyard because yeah. I wanted to beat that other pitcher. It wasn't because I wanted to have fun. It was right. because I wanted to be better than that other pitcher. Um, right. And I wanted to strike that batter out and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be in control of that. And, and it wasn't anything that my dad did wrong. He was just the catcher. He was just the guy that, you know, Hey, let's, let's throw some more, you know, as, as I've come, I've come to terms with a, a, a saying that we're, we're, we're doing the best we can with what we got. And I, yeah. I, 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 I continually say that and continually remember that about my and and think back to the potential things that he had to go through as and 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 what he got from his father and what his father got from his father and and it helps me to just have more grace in it um would but i would i wouldn't change any of that i would hope that could figure out a better way to encourage that particular type of like desire to want to improve um in pitching and i think it can be done and i think it could have been done in a way that we can, and it's that establishment of like, Hey, look, your, your 120 pitches is good enough, but like, well, let's, let's rest your arm or let's like, we can take a break, you know, kind of thing. Um, right. and, and, and to, and to still open that door to challenge, like, Hey, if you're still feeling good after that, then Hey, let's throw some more. Um, but yeah. that, that from my childhood really, um, that translated and that, and that was fueled, significantly when I went in the military, specifically when I went into special operations, you know, in the yeah. military, you're breaking down into told, you know, by yourself on your own, you're no good. You're not good enough. You can only exist and operate as this team. Um, and, and that just gets worse and more driven into your head, uh, as you go into special operations and, you know, and then if, if in your creed, it says 100% and then some, it's kind of like, well, what's that? And then some, um, right. And you just become a, you just become accustomed to this go, 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 you know, at the end of the race, there's somebody, you know, that you look up to looking at you and being like, great, but I'm going to need more tomorrow. And when when I was younger, I could do that. And I felt good when I did that, you know, I would punish myself physically quite a bit because it was the only way that I could really find and and match improvement and may and feel good about myself. And then in 2016, when I had a heart condition, when I, a heart condition developed, I couldn't do any of that hard stuff anymore. So yeah. I didn't have an outlet to, to destroy myself or to push any of that stuff. Um, so I, I, for a little while I, I was pretty depressed, um, yeah. because of it, but, but came to terms with that and, um, really where that, it, it just comes with this, like, if I good enough today that can challenge me to be great tomorrow. Um, and I, I, I just feel that it's my responsibility and hopefully and my challenge to create a teaching style, um, and a climbing style based around the same, um, effects. And, and where I mean that is, you know, we've all been out with people, they're on a top rope or they're on whatever, uh, And they get to a point where they have verbally looked at us or screamed, I'm, I'm done, you know, or I don't want to do this anymore. What, what is our natural inclination? It's to tell them like, uh, don't, you know, downsize your worry and give it another try. Like, 
we're, we're automatically discounting what they've told us and the truth that they're speaking to us and telling them, nah, you got more. And like, what if they that next hand? What if they put that next foot up there and they slip and they bash their face on the rock and now they hate climbing. Like mm-hmm. those are the things, you know, and that's a, that's a like way out there hypothetical situation. But like, what if they just have an experience in that moment that they just don't like? And I feel, you know, parent dynamic to kid, we have the opportunity to just really create this, Hey, you're, Hey, no problem. You want to come down like good enough, man, for me right now. Oh, you want to try it again? Let's do it again. This rock's not going anywhere. Like we can try this as many times as you want, but like what you've given is good enough. And like, I don't, I don't feel that I'm creating this realm of like participation trophies or just like, Oh, give me, give me half of your energy. Because what that is, is that's just bad leadership that lays on me. If I'm allowing somebody to potentially give less than I feel like is their, I won't even say they're hundred percent, but like they're all in that moment. Uh, then, then I'm a bad leader or I'm not attuned to who I am leading at that moment. Um, and I, and I don't look at it as, as me candy coating somebody or, or coddling them. Oh yeah. Every year, you know, that's totally fine. Like that's, that becomes the challenge and how I, how they come, I become a better leader. I become a better communicator. Uh, but you know, I, I, I'll be honest, like every single day, every single time that I drive from my house to pilot mountain, to go rock instruct, to go guide people that have paid me money, I am going to, and I live two and a half miles from the mountain. I am going through the largest raging tornado of emotions from you. I, I can't believe that you would let these people pay you this money. How dare you think that you're worth this much? Oh, I, wow. Like, like you're going to kill these people. Like you don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Like <laughs> I'm literally going through this cycle of emotion in my head every single time. And it just comes through to as this performance anxiety. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I throw in a little Brandon Lake gratitude and that washes everything away. Yeah. Yeah. Praise music. That's my, that's my medicine. Like it is amazing what praise music will do. I relate with you on that for sure. Cause I, I have uh, my, my nearest crag that I given, you know, offer instruction at is an hour and 20 minutes. So I have an hour and 20 minutes to wrestle with what am I doing? You know, yep. I'm spending a day doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So totally relate with what, what you're saying there, man. I think Eric, maybe uh, had yeah. a question. Well, I was just gonna, uh, I was just, uh, I was enjoying your uh, frank honesty about uh, your internal dialogue, uh, your anxiety. Uh, and uh, here you are a, um, a very accomplished climber uh, former military, uh, business owner. Thanks for your service. Uh, Thanks for your service, by the way. Yeah. I wanted to say that. You bet guys. As I like to say, thank you for your tax dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I work hard to send them. Right. Away. I mean, here you are just such an accomplished human and still face all of the other human pieces, uh, of anxiety, depression, second guessing, self-talk, you know, on and on and on. And so, man, it's real. And the struggle is real. And uh, it's, it's very good to not sugarcoat it and also not to uh, wallow in it. And- yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and you know, my, my connection and, and, and partly 
the the drive to move here to nature is um, I spent I spent about five years in the non- veteran nonprofit space as a veteran support specialist. That's just like a fancy term for a counselor without a degree. Um, and uh, I spoke to hundreds of veterans in good life, bad life, suicidal, drunk off their, you know, took us like any situation you can imagine. I've spoken to them and, but it was always over the phone and it was always through these just very uh, impersonal connections. And for a long time, I just really wasn't connecting the way I wanted to with veterans and people in general. And when I started doing more outside door climbing and, and like camping related things and connecting, I found that like just being in nature just often softened us as human beings and put us in just like a place of peace. And I was able, I was really able to connect with people on such a deeper level. But I realized also another part of that is like, I had to be deep and I had to share as well. Um, and, And it's important, especially in my, in our realm for men. Like I, I felt that I had to be a man, like as a man, it was important for me to really kind of, always, always show this. And and I mean, and mean what I say, because I always talked about like people, you know, people showing your true emotions, um, and not, and, and speaking truth, having people that you can speak that truth to. Um, and so that's, That's it's been very helpful. The, uh, the ancient church calls nature and all of God's creation, the first gospel. And, uh, it is, it is so healing to be present with, uh, with what the creator has created and to, uh, to share that, uh, that beauty and the calm and just nature being nature, nature doing its thing and us being a part of it. Oh man. Well, yeah. Gospel, right. It's the, the good news. Uh-huh. Yeah. The first word with a capital W. So after the, after the first word. Yeah. Good news. And yeah. Creation is the good. It's a reflection. It's a reflection of the Creator, just like we are the a reflection of the Creator. Yeah, it talks about His invisible attributes are clearly seen in what has been created. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I got a great piece of advice a number of years yeah. ago that yeah. said, "If you love the beach, don't live in Atlanta." And uh, and it really, you know, that meant that means just like where where you fi- where you find peace, where you find your joy. Like that's where you need to be full time. Like don't, don't think that you're going to buy yourself the week vacation to the beach and that's going to satisfy or a, a week of vacation to the mountains where you get one week of climbing and then you go back to the city or where else. And so that was a real, a big driving force of, so I think he's telling us that we need to leave this desert. <laughs> yes. Um, Move to North Carolina. Or the North Cascades. Ask him about uh, climb hard, love harder. I want to hear. Um, oh yeah, his his take on that. Yeah. So you've heard the climb hard, love harder. So we're kind of yes. winding down as far as the the overall time clock here. Oh. So uh, speak speak to us. Uh, what's that mean to you? Climb hard. Love harder. Yeah. Is there, is there a time where maybe you, you climbed hard and then you found yourself loving harder or maybe somebody loved harder on you when you really needed it in the midst of that circumstance? Yeah, no, that, um, you know, I, I think, I think fellow instructors, I think can, can relate to this. 
um, when, when you make the decision to, to instruct, and I, and I think it's really anything um, sport related, when you make the decision to instruct, making a decision to focus on, on focus on things that really are only, in my opinion, kind of set in the basics to intermediate realm of really anything to be, to be advanced and to be kind of a, 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 another realm you have to be very selfish and, and I'll use climbing just since we're, that's what we talk about, you know, yeah. to be a hard climber is a selfish thing. Like, and, and it's not, I'm not talking, you know, I'm not mad at climbers because we need people that do hard climbs, but yeah. you got to think most of the time, like it's one hard climber with one, uh, you know, belay buddy that's just sitting in the Grigri for hours on end while this guy projects this you know, stupid hard 12 or 13 kind of thing. And, or even like a, an 11. Um, and there's a lot of energy and a lot of focus and a lot of dedication that goes into that. And so not to discount that at all, but chances of bringing friends out to take them top roping on a five, six, like that's going to drive you nuts. Um, and so I feel like a lot of times at, at whether at times in your life or just, you know, coming to the conclusion like I'm a better instructor or why I'm so, what makes me so happy about doing this is instructing people, not doing hard climbs. Right. So I, I kind of made the realization, um, uh, especially when I had the heart condition and kind of started losing feeling in my hands that like, I was never really going to be a stu super duper strong climber because I was never going to give it the dedication that it deserved to be a right. hard climb. Yeah. Um, and so figuring that out, but then also give, having the opportunity to be a mentor, like a climbing mentor for so long, I realized that I really like to instruct. I like being kind of the person that's helping to put, to put forefront of, of safety at the forefront um, of the, this new climbing generation. Um, and I think it's an opportunity for, for me and, and, got, and instructors to really connect on a deeper level with people um, as a climber. Um, and, and that comes with being with sacrifice. And, uh, I, I have some um, friends, like two of my best friends, they're, ma they're a married couple. Um, and the, the husband and me are like pretty close. Like he's probably a little bit better than me just cause he climbs and boulders a little bit more, um, frequently, but like, I'm the technical guy. He gets technical instruction for me. I've taught him everything he knows. Same with his wife and his wife, you know, she's an upcoming climber. She's got internal dialogue of her own um so sh when we're all climbing together i know that we're going to be significantly less you know grade wise than me and russ would be climbing right. and like i'm i'm okay with that like in 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 this group and in this scenario it's just like well yeah i could just be like don't come you know or like find other partners but just like I, I've made a connection and then they're, they're part of the wall hogs and like, <laughs> it, it brings me immense joy to see them being better technical climbers, uh, yeah. her making breakthroughs and, yeah. you know, and, and those are the times, um, that I just thoroughly enjoy, um, loving on other people. You know, I had, um, we had a uh, Carolina Climbers Coalition. We have a contest every Mar or every end of February in Rumbling Ball. It's called the Rumble, and it's the country's only ropes and boulder competition uh, wow. for the weekend. So you don't do both of them; you choose either one. But we we have both um, things 
during the whole weekend. Um, and you know, like I'm a competitive person. I probably would have been, probably would have done okay. in like the men's novice, you know, intermediate division kind of thing. But my 13 year old son wanted to do it. And so I was like, okay, he's going to do it. And like, he had never climbed at the ball. Like, I don't even know how good he's going to do. I, he might climb one climb and be like, dad, I don't want to climb anymore. And I'd been like, okay, you gave it a good shot. Like, cool, let's go. And so I just was his belay buddy the whole day. Um, yeah. And like, just no greater feeling than watching your 13 year old son flash four routes at a place he's never been in his life. That's you awesome. know? Um, so like, I'm, I, I love those opportunities to take, take climbing to the next level for myself. But truth be told, like the satisfaction, and I just had said something about it today because we had a gym to crag course today. The seeing the assurance and the confidence in someone's face leaving an instruction period with me, knowing that they are now going to be the leader of their crew that goes, hey guys, we should go outside climbing. And then they bring them out there with this confidence of like, I got our rope, I got our anchor, like everything. Like nothing makes me happier yeah. than, than being able to do that. Um, so honestly, you know, that that's really to me what climb hard, love hard means. That's awesome. Sounds like proud, proud dad moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, and he placed, he placed fourth out of the men's division there was no uh kids division for ropes and he was fourth out of like 40 people that's awesome yeah crusher thanks for listening to climb hard love harder podcast uh with uh, eric and dean here uh please please send us feedback on email at pod at climbersforchrist.org. We would love to hear from you. And uh, that's what I know on that. And hopefully we encouraged you. And we, not only do we believe, but we know that you have gifts to offer in in your local community. Yeah. And step out and be an encourager. Yes. And uh, climb hard, but love harder. That's right. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We love you. Love you.